Hey, everybody. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for listening. It really means a lot that you would spend some time out of your day to hear some of these stories. We've got a learning mindset here at SCP, and we even take that approach with this show. So we've tried a lot of new things over the past year to see what works best and what doesn't. And as you listen to more shows, you'll probably start to notice some of those small changes over time. With this show in particular, we wanted to try a new intro format. Hopefully you like it. And if you've got any kind of feedback for us, you can reach us at podcast at SCP.com or you can find me on Twitter or LinkedIn at Zach Darnell, Z-A-C-D-A-R-N-E-L-L. So for today's show, I've got a returning co-host, Mr. Dave Matthew. Dave is a product leader here at SCP and is incredibly passionate about all things product. And our guest is Diana Nolting. She's the VP of product for SkuVault. SkuVault is an e-commerce platform focused on the inventory management space. And Diana has been in the indie tech scene for about 10 years now. She actually got her start more in the marketing world at the Indianapolis Indians. I really enjoyed hearing about her journey moving into product and how she brings a journalism approach to learning from her customers. So with that, I hope you enjoy the show. Welcome to Behind the Product, a podcast by SCP, where we believe it takes more than a great idea to make a great product. We've been around for over 30 years, building software that matters more, and we've set out to explore the people, practices, and philosophies to try and capture what's behind great software products. So join us on this journey of conversation with the folks that bring ideas to life. My name is Diana Nolting. Uh, I'm currently VP of product at a company called Skewbolt. We're a Louisville-based SaaS company, and we serve e-commerce retailers. Specifically, we help them track everything that they sell, everywhere they sell it. So multi-channel e-commerce retailers, uh, we help them build trust with their buyers by having better transparency of what they have to sell, where they have to sell it. Uh, and my background getting into product, I feel like people either fall into product or fight their way in. I was a fighter. I fought my way in. Um, <laughs> my background originally is I went to journalism school. So um, got really good at asking questions and, and trying to understand the, the story behind uh, what people were telling you. So that's a really great fit for product. As we kind of worked through this, went into sports marketing for several years, right when technology was getting big. So social media was getting big. Started to love the technology side so much. Wanted to get into that. So I moved into cloud. And when I started working at BlueLock, which was a cloud company at the time, kind of shook their hand and said, okay, I don't know anything about cloud. And they said, neither does anyone buying us. So that's why we need you to come. <laughs> Tell us what this is and what it what they can do with it. So got to just understand and, and listen and learn. And that's the first time I really learned what product was and really wanted to start to get into it. And at the time, a lot of people were saying, you know, you have to be a coder to get into product. I wasn't. Um, so a lot of people saying, well, just don't worry about that, right? Just just stay in your lane. And so I spent nights and weekends studying technology so I could understand it better so that I could get into the into the role and went from marketing to product marketing to product management. Absolutely. And it's just taken off from there. So oh, I love I love that you kind of described that falling into or fighting. That's I what I tend to see. Yeah, I, I, I tend it. to see that. Yeah. Um, and it's just some people get picked and yeah. others really have to fight and prove their way in. But when I kind of look back on growing up, there's those brand defining moments. And I remember when I was seven and eight, I wrote letters to the American Girl Company telling them to expand their product lines. Wow. <laughs> um, and they would very politely send me back a letter saying they have people who come up with how they should come up with their paper doll lines. Um, but hindsight's twenty twenty. So had oh, I known, cool. I might have tried to go straight into product, <laughs> but it took a while for me to find out 
what this was, a perfect merging of all the skill sets and things that I love to do. Okay, so we haven't even talked about this. You just you just opened up a whole line of questioning for me. <laughs> uh, first of all, I'm a little intimidated that you have a journalism background, and I feel like I'm about to get graded on how good of an interviewer <laughs> I am here, even though I'm not a journalist. Uh, not so we're, at we're gonna all. We're going to have fun here. Not at all, I yeah. Hope, I hope. It's all about the conversation. That's you right. People to open up, right? Yes. So that's what okay. you do here. So you fought your way into product management. Uh, you know, I kind of want to kick into what did you learn through that? And how do you think that compares to other people that you are maybe peers with now that kind of fell in? Yeah, I think ultimately success in product that I've seen has to do with curiosity and really seeking to disprove what you think you already know. If you have that innate ability and mindset, then that really helps you try to keep learning. Um, And that's ultimately part of it. So part of trying to fight my way into product was learning every other aspect of the business and trying to understand how that fits together and, and what that looks like. So I think so long as somebody who's picked and plucked into product management has that curiosity and willingness to learn, what does finance care about? What does marketing care about? But ultimately, what does our customer's finance team care about? And what does our customer's sales team care about? Because that's how you help to get the story behind the story um, a little bit as well. I love that. So, okay. So looking back over a little bit of your career, so you've led product at uh, companies like Anvil, 120 Water, uh, most recently here, Skew Vault. Uh, Skew Vault? Skew Vault, yep. There we go. Yep. When you walk in kind of day one, how do you kind of uh, maybe, uh, I don't know, assess isn't the right word, but figure out kind of how to lead that product development group? Like, how do you build a strategy around that? Yeah, absolutely. The The first thing I try to do is is the same thing that any product person would try to do is just understand the context of the problem, not just the problem in isolation, but what's the context that we're trying to solve for and what are all the pieces that come into that? When you're looking at leading a team versus just a feature or um, or a product line, I think that has to do with where does the company want to go and who are we trying to solve today, serve today and who are we trying to serve in the future and how might that change and, and what are we really trying to accomplish as a business? So it's been a lot of time trying to understand the business itself and and all the other leaders. And at the case of Anvil, I joined as employee number three. We were still working on paper. So there wasn't a lot of history that, I mean, there was, there was some good problems that we were founded to solve, but that's different than coming into Skew Vault, which has been around for 10 years. Yeah. So there's a lot to understand about the transition and, and really what's changed over the years and how has what they've incentivized and motivated and how has their client base changed over the years? So trying to just really understand the problem, what's working well. That's one of the questions I always try to understand is, what should we not touch right now? What's working really well? And what what are the things that we can make an impact on? Digital transformation is a buzzword, but it's really about understanding how can we work together to build these cross-functional teams um, to find little successes and build on those and, and start to motivate people in different ways. That's really, you know, it's really interesting talking about like how long a company's been around and having that be a huge factor. You know, I've, I'm, I've been with SCP for just under three years. We've been around for a little over 33 years. And so much must have changed oh, in that time. Um, a decades lot, and right? Decades, yeah. And it's, it's you know, in in the back of my mind half the time, it's, okay, how can maybe I suggest something that might be different or maybe new, uh, although there's not much original thought. So it's not, I can't, I don't know that I can really claim new anymore, but while honoring and understanding where we came from, you feel like you kind of had a similar balance to strike? Absolutely, absolutely. And because there's so much too, that comes along with bringing new people in. And, and it's a new blend, right, of a recipe as we as we bring that together. And I think, you, you know, you mentioned there's nothing new. That's very true. But I think it's also about 
different adjacencies. So when cloud was just coming out and we studied a lot of the banking industry because people used to have to trust their money to institutions, just like they had to trust their data to the cloud for the first time. So how can we learn from the banking industry for the cloud? And that's what we look at a lot right now. These shouldn't be new problems, but there's also not a way to copy paste to find the solution. So let's bring that in. And um, I think that's why a lot of value comes from having different experiences and backgrounds as well. Uh, I, yeah, I could, I could go, we could talk about this for hours. I feel like, do you, do you feel like it's challenging or maybe I'll ask you just how do you typically try to align, I'll say, uh, uh, product strategy to business strategy that tends to be very messy and hard. How do you, how, how do you kind of go about that? Yeah, absolutely. It's messy and, um, I think exciting. That's probably why I like being in product. Yeah. Uh, not everybody does though. So you've got to find <laughs> the right ways to have those conversations because, it does take the same way I look at products saying, how do we continue to disprove what we think we know or or continue to validate it uh, again and again in an iterative fashion? It's hard to do with business strategy um, because we like to say, but we've we've solved it, right? Like this is what we're going to do and and nothing should change, but everything changes around you. So it's continuing to have those conversations and, and work with people in the way they want to have those conversations. So um, some leaders, a stack rank might uh, be the right way to go. Other leaders, it's about, okay, help me understand if we were to do this, let's put it on paper. Now let's understand the impact that that might make. But it has to be 100% cross-functional. Anytime we've tried to do it without that, it just, there's something breaks along the way, right? Because you have to have everybody, it's one boat we're rowing. It's not a fleet of boats. We say that a lot. Um, so if somebody's dragging their oar on one side, we're, this is a problem for all of us. It's not, well, we can lose a boat along the way. Um, so my team's going to laugh if they hear this because I say this like once a week, it's one boat and we're all rowing together. So let's help everybody row faster and understand which island we're going to. Because if we all think we're going to a different island, we're just going to go in circles. So Yeah. Oh, that's I love I love the analogies. The visuals I, I always speak help me. I speak in analogies, so that's it helps me. <laughs> that's the product it, way. As a visual learner, <laughs> it helps me. Yep. Yep. Yeah, it reminds me. I use the analogy sometimes of you know vectors. So like in physics, if you're adding vectors together, you know that you get so much from each side. So it's it's kind of the same thing, right? You all want to be aligned in one direction to get the maximum benefit. Otherwise, you're not you're not really adding together in an optimal way. Exactly, and you're just yeah. So it's it's about painting that common picture and vision. And uh, I think that's, I've, I've heard a lot, you know, recently in articles, and I'm sure you guys too, and I'm sure we'll touch on those, is the difference between, you know, the business and, and engineering or the business and product. And we're a software company personally. So mm-hmm. the business is the technology. Yeah. So any, we, we start to try to have those conversations about, it's not a magic business, right? Like it's, it's, it's software. We are a technology business. So oh, yeah, that's a really good way of thinking about it. I think that makes a big difference from what I've seen on whether the company treats software or technology as the product or as a as an integral part of the product offering, or if it's just kind of a cost center. It's something we have to have to to help us out. It kind of I think makes a key a key distinction between two ways of thinking about things. It's, and it took me a long way to evolve my understanding to get there too, right? Like I think we're taught that coming right in is like, no, just tell us what the business wants and then you go track down the mythical business. But um, I think the more experience you get, the more you understand, hold on, there is no magic answer. I thought there was. I went looking for it. And and it's really about just having all those conversations continuously mm-hmm. uh, and communication. So. so you touched a little bit on uh, kind of the larger community, maybe some of the trends that are kind of emerging around product. Product thinking is a a hot topic, I feel like, these days. 
you know, I'm kind of curious, what are your thoughts around the idea or definition of product thinking? Yeah, absolutely. So, I, I mean, everybody has a different definition for everything and products different at every company. Yeah. Uh, but what's what's interesting to me is when we look at product thinking and the ultimate emphasis on understanding the context of, of who you're solving for and and really shrinking that kind of gap between you know, the business and the user and and how we're actually solutioning for them. It's the same thing that stands out to me with jobs to be done. It's the same thing that stands out with design thinking. It's the same thing. And it's just continuing to really understand the business of your user and not taking what they're asking for at face value, right? Mm-hmm. Um, particularly if you're building for ongoing software and and you're truly trying to build for, if Netflix called me and asked me what to build, it would probably not look very much like what they've right. built, but I love it and I'm going to use it all the time because they've built that in a scalable way which is different than custom software development, which has its absolute place, but those are different things and we have to recognize that. So I think what stands out to me about product thinking is just that continued emphasis on, do you understand the pain that the person that is solving for? Because they probably don't know how to ask for that. And you just have to understand their business. So when I was at Amble, we were mobile solution for frontline workers. Mm -hmm. Um, They're not typically thought of as the most, uh, you know, they're they're not given the best software. They're not given the best devices. They're just kind of given enterprise software and and they have to use that. So we were designing the software for mobile apps. We were designing it for mobile devices, which they didn't have yet. And as we were kind of walking through, they said, you have to put it on a laptop. You have to put it on these giant 30-pound laptops. This is the only way it can work. Well, they're up 20-foot ladders and they're under buses (laughs) and they're, you know, we have to understand the working conditions that they and so spending time with them and walking in their shoes, and then we deliver the mobile device, and suddenly all their other apps work on the mobile device too. And, oh, this is how they work, and it's different. So that's kind of as we as we think through that ultimately to me is just getting really curious and getting to know and building a relationship with the people who need it because you're going to have the domain expertise. You see hundreds of thousands of clients. They know their world really well. Yeah. Um, so understand how we can how we can solve problems that they may not see because they didn't know there was a way to do it better. Uh, but we can find those and and help them solve that. I've had customers and and clients over the years kind of have this, uh, it's like the I'll know it when I see it feeling of need. I have tried a number of things over the years. I've read about it. It's always, I don't know, kind of a gnarly problem to solve of helping to fill in the puzzle pieces over time before they finally get to this, oh, yes, this is what I meant. How how have you kind of worked through some of that? Iteration, just continuous like, what's what's a problem we can solve together and how can we learn from that? Because we're probably not going to get it right. So I think it's, it's again, something that happens over time to come to the table and say, I want us to fail. The faster we fail, the like, I'm thrilled. That's the goal, yeah. which is very up against, I think, how, how other people are like, what do you mean you want to build it to fail? Well, that means we're going to learn faster. So I don't want to ship you know, something that could hurt people, but I want to find the right place where we can test and iterate and the right people to test it with so that we can learn from that so that we can ship the next thing better and Mm -hmm. we can ship the next thing better and better. So I think that's about really just testing and continuing taking the feedback and not throwing things over the wall. And ultimately, everybody should be happy with more context and more understanding because we can only know what we know and it might be right today. And I'm sure whatever was developed and launched in February of 2020 probably is a very different set of context <laughs> probably. than, than yeah. we're all at today. Um, so we learned from that and we have to adjust to the conditions that are in front of us. Mm. Something that's that's kind of percolating my brain as, you're, as you've been talking so far, this idea that there's not some magical uh, uh, business sitting somewhere in a cloud that you have to go seek out and uh, some of the maybe recent publications around product thinking and uh, this right mindset across the company. And oftentimes I feel like there's tension between user testing, 
validation in the market and and business demands for no, we just need to deliver these things. I know these things are right, and they're based on a lot of assumptions. Like, can you talk a little bit about how you tackle some of the? I don't know. I feel like that's more influence and and people issues around making great products. Yeah, absolutely. And one of the things that we're trying to do, because the company's been around 10 years at SKUVault, and we have incredibly talented people who have a lot of great ideas and a lot of great understanding of the market, is building a culture of experimentation and testing. Mm-hmm. And, and really saying, I love that idea. You, you know, live with our clients every day. Let's test it. Let's mm-hmm. ask them what they think. Let's validate that. Let's, we're not coming to them with a blank piece of paper, but let's validate that and, and then say, who is that the right fit for? Because it may be different, right, across the board. So I think trying to build that culture of testing and experimentation isn't necessarily natural to a lot of risk-averse businesses, particularly those who have been around a long time. If you've been around a long time, you probably are. Mm-hmm. You've built those mechanisms to help your business stay afloat. So continuing to build that culture of testing and experimentation and and how will we know if we're doing well? And how will we know if, if we should double down? Because that's a question too, right? Like maybe right. this is going better than we thought and we should double the resources that we're, that we're applying to it. If you don't know that, then you're going to fail a different way um, oh. than you would otherwise. Then, okay, maybe we pivot because this was not what we thought it was or something has changed. So it's, it's that practice and that discipline of continuing to push that cross-functionally, which is, you know, we'll continue to say all day long, but I think that's, that's what's really interesting to me is, is product serving as the network of the business and helping people see differently and driving influence without authority is the, you know, the world of product, mm-hmm. which is, uh, I mean, it, you get really good at storytelling and you talk in a lot of analogies and you help make sure everybody feels heard. And all that translates to ultimately who you're serving, which is the stories from the boots on the ground, the stories from the market, the stories from people who don't even know they need you yet. Mm. One thing I'm, I'm also kind of curious about, do you have a toolbox? Do you do you have like, I love jobs to be done or I love uh, Marty Kagan's definition of, of product management, um, kind of walking in with a philosophy. Do you kind of have that toolbox or are you more, or I'm sorry, uh, that tool or are you more the toolbox side of things where, you know, right tool for the right job? Yeah, definitely. I feel like I'm definitely have a, a toolbox kind of mindset because I have yet to see two companies that look exactly mm. the same inside of it. Um, <laughs> but I think with that, I do tend to have a philosophy, which is informed by kind of the first formal training I got with pragmatic marketing, which is, you know, focus on those market problems. And ultimately, because of my background in journalism school, it's interviewing. So that's one of the first things I do is try to interview as many people as possible. Everywhere we interview, and I've, this is something I've been doing since I've been in product, you know, many, many years ago. We interview people who will never be our clients. So we understand what we shouldn't build. Uh, we try to interview people who are our clients. We interview people who've left us. We interview people who are in adjacent markets. Um, let's try to really triangulate where should we be going and where should we not be going so we don't get distracted either on that. So interviewing across the business, up, down, sideways, um, and then everywhere we can, and and just trying to pull in all that information. So if there was one tool that tends to be one size fits all, it's just interviewing mm-hmm. and trying to learn and and try to make those adjacencies uh, understood. But yeah, because it's it's more philosophy than it is a tool. Yeah, yeah, mm. exactly. Well, and I think that's all of them tend to be all of the philosophies tend to have similar veins, right? Like sure. just different approaches. So. Mm-hmm. It's interesting because I one of the things I really found is like asking questions is really the the key to doing really good product work. And it, it's simple. It, I think it's oversimplified a lot of times because everyone asks questions, right? But like, how do you ask a good question? So like, do, do you have any advice either when you're interviewing 
like just doing customer interviews or maybe even when you're testing some of these ideas out how do you ask good questions to get past the the surface level you know like yeah that looks good yeah i would use that like do you have any kind of a a tactic or toolbox you use from your journalism background to help with that yeah i i think there's a couple things you can make sure you do which one thing that i've fallen short of sometimes is like making sure i have enough time to clear my head and not rush through it and time enough after to let the conversation flow naturally, which is always important. But then it's about building a connection with the individual. So when I've interviewed different clients in different parts of the world, building relationships is different with different mm. cultures. Yeah, um, so And different communication styles, it's different. So it's trying to find that one-on-one connection through talking about families or through talking about what they did over the weekend or through talking about whatever it might be so that they you start to build that trust. Because if you just airdrop in, ask a couple of questions and airdrop out, you heard what you wanted to hear. Yeah. So it's really about starting to build that relationship and, and unpack and just try to be as human as possible, which I think is you know a very journalistic approach to let me, help me understand the story behind the story. If I'm just airdropping in to figure out the weather, then that's a different conversation than when I interview somebody in the UK, that's a very different kind of cultural, how we build a relationship and rapport together than it might be the same day. A couple of years ago, I had an interview with somebody in the UK and somebody in Louisiana. Those are very different cultures <laughs> and very different. Like one went yeah. very long and one we were, okay, trying to still peel the onion. And, and sometimes you have to set another call. And sometimes you have to just kind of let them unpack what may be months or years worth of, baggage and feedback before you can get to the next piece. Uh, so it's it's about treating each one as an individual conversation uh, and, and trying to go from there. Do you do any kind of time boxing or, or how would you plan doing interviews with people to kind of allow for that natural flow of conversation? I've, I've had to start kind of limiting, okay, if only one thing gets discussed, what will that be? And then setting that expectation like, well, you know, the when I go in an interview, I say, you're probably going to be doing the bulk of the the talking here. And I just want to understand. And especially if we were interviewing, you know, frontline workers who aren't used to having this level of access to the software developers, they would say things like, well, you you guys are smarter than I, so you can solve it. I said, no, no. And this, you know, you, you guys are smarter because you do the job every single day. So help me understand. Show me, like walk me through it. And I'm just here to learn. Teach me and I'm here to learn and take it in and I'm going to ask questions, but um, let's just go there together. And here's the goal that we're trying to accomplish. I just want to understand. And I'm probably going to have more questions and, and set the expectation that we'll be continuously talking and, and things will change and, and we want to build that relationship. So particularly with those individuals when we were walking the front lines, we would send them handwritten thank you cards after and we'd come back the next time and see them taped up on their toolboxes, and uh, which just shows that you're kind of building that rapport because then they can reach out to you if something's not working the way they expected it to. And you get a different level of feedback than when it's just, you know, they're airdropping over something else. So, so um, one thing I know that you're, you're very much involved in and going back to the uh, falling versus fighting in, you kind of co-manage a uh, product think? Is that a meetup? That's a meetup here in town, yes? Yeah, so Product Tank is a local meetup. It's in a lot of different cities. Uh, it's a it's a group of local individuals who are product people who host free product meetups around the world by uh, Mind the Product is the group that sends oh, them out. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, which is really great because I think when we're looking at learning and how to get better, you only see, we don't have the domain expertise of product typically if we're only working in our company. So that was one of the best ways that I learned from product is trying to get involved in communities of other people who are doing things differently. Um, Particularly when I was getting into product, I was one of the only product people at the company Mm -hmm. at the time. There wasn't a lot of females in product in the area either. Um, I can probably name, you know, the, the 10 or 20 at the time. So I joined a lot of coastal 
product groups, particularly for women in product, and tried to understand how they were solving different problems with their companies. Uh, and then Product Tank was another group that was starting up here from two individuals who, one of them is still helping run our, our group and the other one uh, moved to another city. But they just said, you know, product can be a lonely job and we want to bring all these product people together to help socialize, you know, how have you solved this problem? What have you seen? Which I think is really great to build that community because you'll only see the product perspective from the companies you've worked for. So that allows us to socialize and share ideas. And and David and I have tried to bring some good conversations <laughs> to the forefront and and socialize what people want to talk about and see what we can do at least locally in the community. And we welcome anybody who's interested in product and wants to learn about product and wants to be closer to product and just have those conversations. Well, okay. I'm going to kind of pose this to both of you. <laughs> you know, somebody that might be fighting their way into kind of a product role you know, what's the what's the 101 level advice or book or uh, person to follow that you guys would maybe point them towards? I don't know. It's like, I guess product is interesting because it's just like we're, we're seeing today, like people come from lots of different backgrounds, like engineering, design, journalism, uh, uh, all kinds of different things. Uh, I know Craig calls it like the, it the we're the big tent group, right? Like so, so lots of different disciplines that come into the group. Uh, so it's, I guess, don't feel like you have to be specifically a product person to to become a product person or that, that that's not your tribe necessarily. I think a lot of people that are in product that don't know it yet, maybe a designer, an engineer or somebody else that they feel maybe like slightly out of place in their their nor- their craft at the time and it, maybe product is is the right fit for what they're trying to do. So if you ask, if you're the person that asks lots of questions and isn't dissatisfied with, you know, just doing the, the work, you got to know more context and things like that. I think you'll, you'll feel more at home <laughs> with product people. And I guess you, you're asking about like a specific, um, like a piece of advice or something like that. Really, I think, you know, the journalism thing is a big, a big deal with that. Uh, to me, the, the key skill of a product person is asking really good questions because, and being able to ask them for people from different different groups and disciplines. So you have to be able to talk to a customer, a frontline person. You have to be able to talk to a CEO or co- company owner, a finance person, uh, or your developers or your engineers or your marketing people or your designers. Uh, and you have to be able to kind of talk to all of those people um, to make things work. And questions and context is what glues all of that together. Mm. And I'll add to that and say, and be really comfortable with not knowing the answer most of the time. Yeah. That's, sitting yeah. like that, uh, that's actually when I talk to people who are like, I'm trying to, should I move into product from whatever background or discipline? That's one thing they always say is, well, I know this really well, right? I know CS really well, or I know, you know, marketing really well, or I know coding really well, but I don't know how anything else works. And so that's one thing I usually say is, well, sit down and talk to them and see, maybe there's some, you know, you can start building those bridges in advance because none of us know all the things when we come into product. I came from a marketing background. I had to learn all the other things and I'm still learning all the other things. And I think most people, most product people, when I hire, I look for curiosity and a willingness to be wrong and a willingness to try to find out if you're wrong and disprove that because you might be right today. And it's entirely possible in two weeks, something has wildly changed and you'll not be. And if you take that for granted, then um, product's probably not the right fit for you if you don't like being right. <laughs> um, yeah. And it's it's just more about that curiosity and the willingness to keep learning and keep asking questions and get to the fifth level of why and then keep going. <laughs> it reminds me of something we tell to to our new hires when you when you first start at SCP. We tell people like, as soon as you get stuck, talk to somebody. Like, don't sit there and get 
and spin your wheels trying to figure it out like just just ask right and it's the same thing when you're building things too like don't get try to get things perfect or have the perfect answer like just just ask have the conversation get to the story because you're probably going to be wrong and you're probably going to learn something so the sooner you ask the questions the faster you're going to get to that learning exactly and if you can get people telling stories then that's the magic right because there's so much wrapped in those stories and and you can get to so much further than just make it purple well help me understand why um tell me the story of of why purple Mm. because it's a great color i mean come on now (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> okay, so I would like you to try to read your crystal ball. We can we can play with this for a second. Obviously, software has been growing and evolving. Uh, I almost want to say exponentially, but okay, maybe that maybe that's a little bit of a reach. Very very quickly over the last twenty years, in the next five to ten, specifically in your in your tent of product, what do you think the next next big thing or next evolution of product product management product thinking is going to come down. What do you think? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, and if we did have that crystal ball, I know, right? <laughs> the the things that I see picking up, and I'm thrilled that they're picking up, is this cross functional approach to to serving uh, our clients. So I hope that that continues to double down, and I hope that that the deeper we get involved in our clients' businesses, the better we are are able to help them act as a partner to them and a coach to them in in their time of need, particularly. I think it's been a trend for a while that software should be serving the individual user and not just, you know, well, that person bought it and they'll figure out how to use it. So the speed to usability, the speed to just building a partnership, I hope that those double down and go more and and just the coaching element. I think that's what I've been looking at for a little while and continue to look at as uh, as digital transformation continues throughout. Mm -hmm. It's really about working differently together. Uh, more so than anything else. And that has to be delivered through the software, which is hard. So I think hopefully that that ability to coach individuals in their jobs and the ability to coach with technology differently is is really where we're headed through a number of different things, right? We'll have better computing power because mm-hmm. we continue to have better computing power. So we can <laughs> deliver better, more tailored insights and, and we can help them in different jobs. I love software that's built for people who don't traditionally sit at a desk because I think we have to think about it differently yeah. and and solve their problems differently and in a way that they're used to kind of bad software normally. Sure. So um, I love finding new ways to serve them in an approachable way because I don't think that's always a given. Uh, so I hope that we get more approachable technologies for for all individuals, not just those who sit with really giant screens at their desk all day long. Well, yeah. And you think about the last 18 months with this pandemic, I mean, that has opened up a huge number of opportunities in tech and the way that we're going to continue to evolve through this, just working, doing our jobs day to day and a number of different industries. Kind of excited to see what new things. Can we just do hybrid meetings better? Please, somebody fix the AV. That's all I'm looking for. (laughs) And communication better in different places and across the world and time zones and all that. I think I've been so lucky to have been at SKU Vault for for the eight months that I've been here and and ideally, you know, years and years going forward because e-commerce has seen so much Mm. change over Mm. the past pandemic as well. And I think about even in my life when I see you know, family members who would not have been buying things online prior and now <laughs> are personally adept at having a ship shopper go pick out exactly yeah. the orange that they want um, at the store. So yes. it is changing how everybody communicates and and that software is being pushed in a different way. So I love when we can empower e-commerce businesses, particularly small businesses to yeah. compete because we see ourselves impacting local economies in different ways, uh, which is really cool. And as connectivity gets better and and we can really drive that forward, it, I think it's going to be cool. I think it's it, we're in a different place than we, you know, than we were in the past. And I think I'm excited to see where we can take it. 
Well, I appreciate you sharing some of these thoughts and insights with us. We'll see if your crystal ball reading is right. I'm pretty sure you're you're. I'm interested you're hitting, in everybody else's right. crystal ball. Yeah. yeah, I'm interested to see what everybody else's predictions are too, because I'm sure a bunch mm. of smart people you've had on the podcast we can triangulate a future. Mm. I think we can. Maybe we can throw a little uh, little poll out and see if uh, mm. folks would wouldn't mind sharing their crystal ball reading. We love our research, right? That's like, true. Let's, let's yeah. see what that tells us. We're headed, so yeah, I love it, Diana. Thank you so much for joining us, Dave. Thank you for being a co-host, bud. Yeah. Thank you guys for having me. It's been a great conversation. All right, Dave, we just wrapped up talking to Diana Nolting um, about just her experience, insights, and and all of her analogies. I, yeah. I love the visuals. They really helped uh, some some concepts and uh, philosophies that uh, that she kind of subscribes to and kind of has learned over her career sink in. What'd you think of the what'd you think of our conversation, Bob? Thought it was a really fun and interesting conversation. I, I like her kind of background being a little different than other people that you may think of coming into product. I think journalism is great for yeah. asking questions. She she used the the phrase the story behind the story, which I thought was really tells um, tells the story yeah. of, uh, <laughs> of uh, what doing product work is really like because it's not just one thing. It's kind of yeah. weaving all of the things together. Um, in a way that that is coherent and makes sense and that you can kind of get everyone behind. Yeah, that's that's so true. You know, I think she's the first person I've ever really met, I think, in my career in the tech world, especially the product management world coming from journalism. Never really thought about that, but it's a it's kind of a really cool background and a very powerful set of skills to have in in kind of that product world. Uh, So I, I I, I I enjoyed that as well. I also loved her, the way that she described falling or fighting into product management or into a product. Yeah. Management. <laughs> uh, a lot of fun. This idea that, you know, can you get chosen or did you, you know, happen to uh, uh, kind of get into the role and have a trajectory into product management or did you kind of have to fight and claw your way into it, right? Go to go to take some classes on the side and and learn about things on nights and weekends and and eventually convince somebody that hey, yes, <laughs> you know, I'm I'm able to do this job. So that was that was kind of a fun way to think about it. Yeah. You know, one of the phrases she used that I thought was interesting is that uh product is the kind of building the network for the business, which mm. really kind of gets to that story behind the story thing again of like how do you link everything together in a way that that makes sense. So you're kind of, you know, you're, you're talking to internal folks, you're talking to people that are your customers, various types of customers. So you really are kind of that networking muscle, so to speak, Mm, for for whatever the, for whatever company you're working for, if you're doing that work. Kind of the connective tissue. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, how how do you get information? How do you know what to build? How do you kind of take different paths and what kind of information do you need to make those types of decisions? You know, a lot of that stuff happens in that product space. Well, again, you know, there's there's been you know a lot of a lot of people talking about you know changing your mindset, digital transformation, lots of buzzwords and 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 things that uh, you know people could argue are not well defined. And you know, I loved how she talked about you know the the magical mythical business this. Uh, this group of people that sit on a cloud somewhere that you have to seek after in in a in a technology company because you've got to meet the business where they're at and you know how there's no magical uh, uh, rainbow road that you're going to get to they're just they're part of 
uh, the engine that then makes products at a software company. Uh, so kind of demystifying this this idea of, of business and just integrating everybody that has a stake in the success of that product in the conversation. I, I thought that was great. You know, what were your thoughts on this idea that through this interviewing and, and hopefully hearing stories and narratives from your customers, but also being careful to not take customer feedback at face value and being careful to balance uh, some of what you hear? Yeah, uh, I think that that's really key is not just not just knowing how to ask good questions, but also to to get to the meaning behind what people are saying. That's one of the things I really like about uh, kind of just learning about jobs to be done. Uh, the 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 people who who talk about that, it's really about how do you get at the root cause and how do you kind of know what people are talking about. And you know, people like to talk in language that they know. So existing products that they use or what life is like for them now, they don't always know what the capabilities are that you have. And it really takes that conversation to hear their story and then learn how you as a product builder can take your expertise and try to kind of fill in the gaps or or offer them things that they um, that they want, but they don't really know that exists. Mm. Uh, one, one other thing that, I, that resonated with me was her approach to when she's doing interviews is that I think a lot of times we have maybe a big list of questions to to get to. And it's really about, you know, what is the main thing that you're trying to learn? And then just kind of relaxing and and focusing on that. So I like that she just tried to kind of clear her head oh, and yeah. and before and afterwards and just let, let the conversation flow. Make sure that you're targeting the primary thing but don't get so hung up on on your checklist of questions that you need to answer uh, just focus on how can you get things out and getting people to tell a story so i thought that that was a really good thing as well that's awesome man well dave i appreciate you so much for joining me on this show and uh, i guess we'll uh, talk to you next time yeah thanks for having me today too 